This is the Knicks Wall Podcast, presented by Whistle Sports. I'm your host, Mike Cortez. Joining me today, as always, Kyle Maggio. Kyle, what is going on? What's going on, Mike? What's going on, folks? Nothing much. So uh, we'll get to some Knicks first. But uh, first, I want to talk about this top shot craze. <laughs> what is going on? I remember you trying to get on right before we recorded, trying to get in the pack. Uh, I still don't understand this. It's It's wild, bro. It's so it's so wild. Um, so I I heard about this a while ago, like probably back in the fall, and I I just didn't it it just didn't make sense in my head. I still barely grasp the concept about why these would be um, actually valuable. This really just comes down to they're only just valuable by how much you deem them valuable on this website. Like that's just it is what it is. Uh, they don't have any real value in the, the sense that you don't really have any rights to the clip. Like, you don't really own anything. You just own it. That specific clip on Top Shot for that specific price that's set based on their imaginary numbers. So, um, it's not tied to anything. There's no rhyme or reason to why certain ones are way more expensive than others sometimes. Um, you know, it goes by maybe a lower serial number. You know, you know little things like that. Uh, the The series that it came from if it's older or, you know, hologram, something like that. But uh, it's a very, it's like the wild west. It's like a new frontier. So it sounds very, very strange. It sounds like if you can corner the market on this and like, let's say top shot becomes like the media center. And then you own like, for example, all the RJ Barrett clips or manual quickly clips. Like that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, So it's it's interesting to think about uh, both, you know, what it what it could be in the short and in the long term. So, I don't I don't really know. I just know at least in the short term, it seems like some people could be making some money, and I'd like to be one of those people for once. So I'm just gonna throw my hat into the ring here. Uh, I don't know how much I'm gonna spend or what I'm gonna buy. You know, mine some RJ clips, but we'll see what happens. Uh, again, this is it's a very strange new thing. So, yeah. No, it's, I remember when people were getting into Bitcoin and I was saying, what the hell is that? So it may sound silly now, but in like two, three years, I would not be surprised. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just got to throw a little money in. Yeah, no, sometimes you got to take a shot. But uh, I digress. Let's get into some Knicks news. Since we hey. last spoke, Knicks have won four or five, including a three-game win streak. They really should have won five of five. That when that loss in Orlando was, it was painful. The bench mob couldn't hit a shot. But uh, I guess let's start with our most recent win uh, over the Timberwolves. Poor Ryan Saunders got fired as a result of it. Thibodeau got his revenge win, and the Knicks are the seventh seed right now, which is bizarre. I believe it was it fifteen and sixteen or fourteen and fifteen. I know that it's one of the, they're one game. Fifteen and sixteen. Fifteen and sixteen. Seventeen, man. If the playoffs started today, we'd be facing the Nets, man. What what is going on? They've been playing good basketball, of course, led by Julius Randle. Who else? Uh, Mitch has been that you know 
uh, out with his broken hand. Uh, he's going to be out four to six weeks, which is unfortunate. Uh, makes us all very sad, but Noel's done a pretty good job. But mostly just Julius Randle being Julius Randle, man, just scoring 25-ish to, you know, 40 points a night lately. I think he had 44 the other night. Uh, just an absolute master class. Uh, just really a dominant, dominant player right now. Uh, dominating the glass. I think he had, what, like, 14 rebounds the other night. Uh, just it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun that we could rely on somebody offensively like that, even if the team really is not good offensively. One player is anyway, and he's just generating a ton of offense and making things happen. So uh, ha- happy, happy we got him. Uh, I'd really, you know, All-Star gets announced t- tomorrow. I would. I would have to imagine he's on that list. Um, not even being biased, I, I just don't know what the case is for, you know, guys like Bam, Jimmy, who have missed time and, and simply haven't been as good or they haven't been winning as much. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of teams that people are talking about getting are like givens to get two players on. And, you know, like the Celtics, and no offense, I know Jalen Brown's been really, really good and he's definitely deserving, but it's like if Tatum makes the team and they're a 500 team, like, how do you justify getting two of those guys on? So I, I don't know. It's like, I, I do, I don't think that like the records like should matter a ton, but it's like when we're talking guys that are sort of on equal footing, I think, I think Randall's just, he's got a lot going for him. He just got a lot going for him. I don't know how you could leave him off this year. I, I really, it would be, it would really make me sick. It would really make me sick if they, if they made it. But, but he, he's been really good lately. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else we could really say about him at this point. It's just, you know, fully. I mean, he was talking. Uh, did you hear him on the the JJ Reddick podcast a little bit? I heard the first half of it, and I loved it. It's it's the first time I actually heard him speak, which is kind of stupid, given how much we listen to him post game. But post game, I feel like half these guys are on autopilot. So that that was like the first time I've gotten to hear him speak on just like getting better and just basketball overall. And I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's in the moment, if that makes sense. Where like anything he does, I'm just gonna be like, "Oh wow, this guy! I'm starting to believe in it." Type of thing. But I just, I don't know. I, I'm. I feel a lot different than I did a couple months ago. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, definitely hope he makes it. But um, overall, just really impressed. I think. It, you know, this team's been pretty resilient is one thing that I've noticed, um, aside from, like, the individual play. And, you know, we, we never get de- even decent coaching. So when we get just, like, a regular good coach like Thibodeau, it, you re- like, it really does make a dramatic difference. The bar was hell. And I just feel like a lot of these close games, and, like, yes, the Magic game was, like, horrific and ugly, but, like, you're going to have some bad losses during the year, but then like they just won an ugly game last night against the wolves. You know what I mean? And it's like, those games are equally as important because I feel like under Fisdale, you know, and even not really as much under Miller, but like, you know, they were still a weaker team under Miller. It's like, they would have folded last year, man. When the wolves came back, they would, they would have folded a lot of these games. They would have folded because they're, they're playing good basketball in these games that they're like never getting blown out. Like that's that's really important. Like they're, they're like right there in every game so far, and it's like they just got to learn how to like win the keep winning these games. Period. And they're a young team, and they're gonna take their lumps. But being fifteen and sixteen, I mean, last year at this time, uh, between Fisdale and Miller, they started seven and twenty-four. 
So, I mean, an eight-game swing in that span is is not nothing. You know, you're pretty much doubling up your win total in that time span. Like, hard to do, hard to beat that. Like, how much happier could you be than that? You know, so. Um, just it's just a it's a good job, and it's not just Tibbs. It's like Kenny Payne and these guys that he's brought in, and uh, you know, I, hearing Mike Breen, uh, of course, our goat, talking to uh, Jeff Van Gundy on the ESPN broadcast uh, during the Nets and uh, Clippers game. They were talking about it that he should get you know Coach of the Year consideration. And uh, I mean, what what do you think about that, Mike? Because th- there's some guys, you know, obviously at the top of that list every year that are sort of givens, given like a, a clear trend that's happening but um i i think i think he's got to be in the convo i don't know where i would place him but he's got to be in the convo i put him second i know that's a very hot take but let me explain because this is pretty much the same roster that was called rudderless by adrian wajanowski who since deleted that tweet that's how howard good coward shout out to Woj, by the way i just gotta <laughs> he got called out for a bad receipt and I thought he's going to be a man about it and just leave it up, but I guess some people aren't built for it, but whatever. I digress. Rudderless roster, he called it. And I don't think that was off base when he tweeted at the time. I think that that roster largely sucked. Minor tweaks will be fair. There are minor tweaks, but I mean, the stats you just laid out, eight game swing. That's not like, I don't think I love quickly. I don't think he's going to account for eight win, an eight win swing, you know? And RJ has been – he's taken a step forward and Randall, all that. I feel like that all ties into coaching. And even from a betting perspective, I'm pretty sure the Knicks have beaten the money line more than anyone else this year. And I've also covered the spread more than anyone this, this year. They're starting Alfred Payton, probably one of the bottom five point guards. They're doing all of this. And like you said, they have not been blown out. They've been in just about every game. I can't recall the last game I turned on and we didn't at, we weren't at least in it. In the third quarter. Usually third quarter Knicks is classic. We're down by 20. Let's fold it. Now third quarter Knicks is why is Alfred Payton still in, but we still have a chance, you know? So it's been a wildly different experience watching the Knicks this year. And we watch, I mean, we're one of the few that watch at least 90% of the games each season. So I think we have a good barometer on what painful watching is. And this is nowhere near that. I've, I'm genuinely turning on Nick games now ready to enjoy myself it's a very foreign territory and i'm just happy and even like last night for example like the middle still is going to piss me off but last night for example noel fouls out on a bullshit call whatever the nick fan of the past like me would have said put obi and why are you putting in old ass taj gibson yet the most decisive possession i felt so at ease knowing taj gibson was guarding carl towns on that block so, like, it's, like, stuff like that where, like, that doesn't happen under Fisdale. It just doesn't. It's just either he's going to play the older guy with no plan or game's already over by then. So, you know, it's just those little things. And I really – I can't think of anyone in the East that can even come close to that. Maybe Billy Donovan in Chicago, but I think that roster is way better than the one Thibodeau inherited. Yeah, so – I'm kind of with you there. Um, it's just such, it's such a stark difference. I, I don't know what else you could really say. I mean, um, with mostly the same oh, roster. Yeah, and it's it's just a good job. I mean, he's even with them sort of regressing, at least with the three-point defense, um, they've still managed to be 
a top overall defense. I think they're third overall uh, in defensive rating still. And um, I, I know that they're still top of the list and a lot of like the opponents field goal percentage stuff. So they're playing good defense um, as a whole, even without Mitch right now, they've sort of been maintaining that identity. So um, just good to see. Good, really just good to see as a whole. seems like there's a, a clear identity, uh, a clear system in place. And like, this is when now you can finally begin to start talking about a culture is sort of being built. Like this is now when you have the convo. Like with with the previous Fisdale era and the Perry era, we were putting the cart ahead of the horse with like the, the new cultures here just because these guys got hired. Like you need a guy like this that's like a tone setter. And I think a lot of people thought that was overstated, maybe including myself, uh, thought that was a bit overstated when they were looking to hire him. But clearly he has brought that to the table. And clearly guys like Randall kind of needed that, needed somebody to kind of drive them to be better. So, you know, just just very impressed, uh, very impressed so far. For He's still got warts. You know, the offense is, is not great. And I think at some point that's going to catch up to them and he's going to have to really start to get creative and adjust. But again, if they're 15 and 16 and they keep winning these games with defense in a time when, you know, grind out games weren't really thought to be possible, then more power to them right now. I guess we'll just ride that until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Well, and ride Randall at this point. It's, it's really remarkable, man, that that turnaround. I don't know if it was maybe the OB draft pick also lit a fire under Randall, but. I, don't, I can't really pinpoint Possible. what Thibodeau's done. I mean, he's kind of just built on what Mike Miller did. We're getting Randall all over the floor. But I think most of it just has to do with Randall because, like, Thibodeau does stuff. Obviously, I'm not saying he doesn't, but he's still – like, there's still moments where, like, even last night I was like, oh, shit, he's spinning into that. I thought it was going to be a bad shot, and it's an and one instead. You know, it's just that type of year for him. Well, he definitely looks leaner. I was watching a couple of – I was watching a couple of games and a little bit of uh, his highlights um, from last season. And he wasn't out of shape at all last season. He was in great shape last season too, but he was just definitely like bulkier. And this season you could definitely tell he's, he's much leaner, um, just as strong, obviously, but the, the way he's like leaning in this year is a little bit different. You know, last year was just like more brute strength. And this year it's a little bit more like he's powering through you, you know, with like a purpose more. So it's like he knows what he's doing more. He like he has a plan versus sort of like that aimless, like now I'm going to go up with it in kind of whatever direction I ended up in. So just it's it's like a small thing that goes a long way. So um, I, I don't know. Just in, in, in terms of like what changed with him, I, I think honestly just having a guy like Tibbs, because the way he was talking about him on that podcast, um, that's really what it seemed to be like. He's just like, yeah, like we just kind of, have a lot of the same habits and have a lot of the same, like we see the game kind of the same way. And like, so for Julius, it seems like they communicate better. It's somebody he can connect with better in terms of the sport versus I guess what, and he wasn't, of course they're not, you know, he doesn't mean to speak ill will of anybody else, or at least he's going to say that on the pod, but um, he's, you know, just like the last couple, at least in, in New York, you have to figure he wasn't getting that. So just good to see. It's nice to see when things like click just a little bit in our favor, you know, it's, it's finally, it's finally nice to see. Yeah. And somebody that just wants to be here, I, I forgot who it was. I think it was Derek Rose actually 
that asked what's the difference between Thibodeau here and I think they asked Minnesota or even overall Minnesota and Chicago. And he says he has a big smile on his face. So seeing that too goes a long way. If you see your coach that really wants to be here versus some guy that's miserable on the bench, it goes a long way. Not to mention the young kids because you have a ton of young kids. Like Randall, my dad just started watching the Knicks again. And he was thinking Randall's like 31 or 32. He was shocked when he found out he was 26. So you have that nucleus. And remember that clip? I forgot what game it was after, where they all run up to the mic after and say Julius Randall better be an all-star. Like, those are the moments we were promised under Fisdale, only Thibodeau's bringing it for us. Because he's not doing all the jazzing and talking out of his ass. And he's actually, you know, putting the work in. So it's it's refreshing. Yeah, no, definitely is. So, um, I don't know. Shout out to him, man. Uh, ho- hopefully, he win coach of the year. Hopefully, the Jazz start slipping and sliding yeah. a little bit. And then uh, we can at least get a couple more awards. Because, I mean, aside from All-Star, we got to start talking uh, which All-NBA team is uh, one Julius Randle going to be on. So, I, I cannot <laughs> wait for uh, that propaganda to begin in the second half of the season. Uh, I'm, I'm already – if RJ couldn't make the all-rookie team – I mean, that tweet, I wanted to ask you, what website was that from? Where they ranked the Knicks behind, I believe it was the Heat, the Hornets, and there might have been someone else that was ranked. The, the Knicks were ranked Like, come on. See, that's kind of like where – that's another case for Thibodeau's Coach of the Year candidate. It's like people are so caught off guard that the Knicks are actually a competent basketball team. Yeah, well, I just didn't – so they had the Hornets all the way up at like 16. And the Hornets are behind the Knicks. And I'm yes, I'm aware we lost to the Hornets. And yes, I'm aware we lost to the Heat. However, the Heat are four games under 500. And I'm sorry, but the, these rankings are not supposed to be a ranking of what you think the Heat might be about to be doing once they get back over 500. They, this is a power ranking for today when you wrote, when you wrote the article and when you watch Julius Randle go for uh, yet another double-double last night in leading the Knicks to the victory. And you don't mention Julius Randle in the write-up. And it's like, you know, we we got to do better than that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not asking for much. I'm not saying they got to be way higher. I'm just thinking, let's just use our brain a little bit. If this is a, a picture of today and the Knicks are, are clearly playing better, then okay, then they are higher on the list. You know, records aren't everything, but in, in power rankings, they're, they're sort of a – a, a thing there that's too that's the so. whole point yeah yeah i mean they matter I mean, a little they couldn't cherry pick over his last 10 games randall's scoring 25 a well, game flat 10.6 rebounds 4.5 every, assists like, everybody on, tells guys. me the records don't matter only when it comes to the knicks only when it comes to julius randall making the all-star team the winning stuff doesn't matter for his record but people will use that as the case when like winning teams need to get a second all-star you know what i mean it's like yeah well, we, we pick it. We pick and choose when when the records matter in these conversations, and that's always frustrating for me. The records—that's the whole point of why we're playing. It's the whole point of why we're playing. If it's like aimless role players always playing well, and the Knicks are overperforming as a team, weirdly, then I get it. But it's like when it's when it's a clear step in the right direction from like a dominant player stepping up, like Julius, helping you in those wins, and it, that's like the theme every single night. It's like, well, then maybe it maybe it is for real. You know, at some point, you know, we're what. 30 something to 30 40 percent of uh, the way through the season you know there's 72 games this year we're 31 in like all right well big chunk of the season's gone on man i mean teams kind of are who they are at this point or they're about to be so i don't know 
just uh and i'm not one that ever you guys have heard me yell at you all about like stop complaining about the media for years and like th- this one got me annoyed today i, I, I will I yeah th- this one got me like it's at some point isn't it exhausting to always just say like that eh, well well they still need to prove this it's like i look they're winning they're winning like we why are we, we putting teams that are four games under 500 ahead of them let's just let's relax man but they save that for next week if they keep winning yeah, the Heat one's a little more weird. Like the Hornets, I would get, but the Heat is—you're just kind of grasping for whatever magic they had last year because they played the Knicks twice and it was pretty much to a deadlock both games. So you can't tell me that there's some hidden gear in them. Jimmy Butler obviously is a good player, and him playing more is going to propel them probably past the Knicks in the final rankings. But right now, you're not going to convince me the Heat are a better team than the Knicks right now. Sorry, but. Real quickly on the All-Star, if Trey Young makes the All-Star team over Julius Randle, I'm going to delete Twitter because that would just drive me off the wall. I've never seen someone – it's like plot armor in a fucking movie where I looked at his stats. He's shooting probably the same as RJ from the field. His team underperforming, and a lot of people – every sample poll I've seen has had on Twitter. I'm not going to slam the national media, but every – one of those the blue check mark boys, they all have Trey Young and Julius Randle just missing the cut. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like this is this is what I mean. It's like it to me, if the numbers are comparable, but somebody's got a clearly better record, then that's kind of what you go for. You know? Like and my thing too with Julius is like he's played defenses here. He's been a plus defender. You can't use that argument this year. You know, like that's so if he's playing good defense, Trey Young is not. I and you I am the farthest person from somebody who would slander Trey Young. I know a lot of Knicks fans that don't have been very frustrated with him from the games we've played against them this season and for good reason. Most unwatchable but, player when a shot's not falling. Most it's, it's, unwatchable it, player. It, it's gross. It's gross. But I, I do love Trey. I love watching the Hawks. I love watching Trey. And um I, I don't, he just doesn't defend that, you know, he just doesn't do that, not yet, anyway, and as fun as he is on offense, if they're not winning games, like, well, sorry, man, you don't, you don't kind of make it every year just because you made it the one year, you know what I mean, so, um, Randall's got to get in, Randall's got to get in, he passed a magical test, now that I'm thinking about it, he passes the eye test when you watch him now, he passes the stat test, his stats are there, and he passes the win test. His team is a competitive team. And everybody argues more- him or Sabonis. Both. They're having the both? same. They're they're having the same season. Like, I don't because think anybody realizes. Including this. Young, I'm telling you, it's going to be Trey Young or somebody else that I'm going to get mad about. But I know it's going to be Trey Young because he was anointed F 2.0 and he's not. And no one's been able to back off it ever since then. It's I guarantee you, if Randall doesn't make it, it's going to be Trey Young that's in over him. I'll put it down. Yeah, right now. it's just it's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, no, definitely. So, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, sorry, that just got me completely agitated again, just because I saw it over the weekend and people were actually defending it. I digress, but Randall, Randall's been holding it together for the Knicks, and I feel like this. You talked about resiliency earlier. I felt like the, that second shoe that we all are waiting to drop 
did drop when Mitch broke his hand. But Nerlens, man, he's been holding down the fort. What's he's I mean? Been, I don't know what's behind it. How are you feeling just, about it? Just real good defense. He looks more confident. Uh, he looks really, really confident stepping up off that back line uh, for Julius. Oftentimes, good rotations between the two of them. Um, I thought he played cat really well. Um, yeah. He got a couple bum ass whistles, uh, especially that last one, um, which they later corrected in the uh, league report today. Um, but he he played played him tough, man. But mostly, I just I really like the aggression with the shot blocking because he was off the bench. He was already I think like fourth or fifth, in, no fifth in the league as like last week. Just mm-hmm. just off the bench, he was fifth in the the total league. And blocks and Mitch was tenth at the in double the minutes, which was bizarre to see. What this wasn't even Mitch Slander. People took that as uh, Mitch Slander. Uh, that was very. It was not oh. Mitch Slander. I love Mitch. Mitch is just playing a different kind of defense this year because he's growing and he's very very smart. And that's Mitchell Robinson. But Noel, you know, has to make the most of his minutes, so he's going to hunt for those blocks a little bit more. And that was just the reality of it. But it's nice to see that he's doing even more of that in his starting minutes. And we especially need that with Mitchell Robinson out. So uh, shout out Noel. Uh, I know Knicks fans are frustrated to begin the season with him, but he was also coming back from injury. I, I know people get frustrated with his hands at times a little bit. Yeah, I was just about to say, did he injure his hand or something? Because Jets fans will appreciate this. He has Stephen Hill hands. He just doesn't <laughs> catch a ball. Clean. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. a chest pass. He's not catching. He's fine with yeah. the lob. He can tap it down. But anytime it's required him catching a chest pass, you just don't know where it's going to end up. Yeah, so uh, he's just been better. Right? He's, you know, he looks good in the starting role. And he, I think that's kind of why they signed him too. Like, the, I know Taj was really only playing because it's an emergency situation, even though I'd like to see those minutes just go to Julius at the five and, you know, try to get their own death lineup, small ball lineup going. But, you know, it is what it is. I guess Tibbs just hates, you know, the one thing that I love the most, which is Julius at the five. Go look at his Lakers minutes. They were good. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's been an encouraging development. The five. I really don't know why he wants to ramble the five. It's maybe is he just too tired or he doesn't trust Obi enough. I don't know. I mean, maybe the only thing I could think of is maybe on offense he feels like he he already plays him that way. Like I I I'm not even trying to make up stuff for Tibbs. I was genuinely having this thought. I was like. Well, what would we, what would we really be asking of him if he was playing Julius at the five offensively? It would be Julius bringing the ball up, starting at the top of the key, you know, starting at you know top of the three point line, initiating the offense, setting a screen. Like it would be all that kind of stuff, operating out of the high post, you know, getting his mismatches and then working in the post. And I feel like we, he mo- they mostly have optimized him offensively that way already. And it's not like I wish they would just lean into it more because you could just get him an extra shooter the way he operates. And I feel like you can, you could really make some stuff happen. I don't know how else to explain it. I think you feel the same way. I just feel like that's the, the next level for this offense. You know, just in a, it's not like a, it doesn't even got to be a long time that they do it. You do it for like a couple of minutes here and there. That's all that I'm asking. You're literally just trying to run for a couple of minutes. Just get a bunch of shots up. You know, let you know, let Julius really get out, stretch his legs. And I know that they do a lot of – Mitch does a good job getting out of the way. Noel's a little bit 
tougher, but Mitch does a good job this year of like just staying clear of Julius and they both kind of work off each other vertically. But I don't know, man. Um, they have the structure for it. Like the end of that first quarter when like some of the second unit trickles in and he goes to Taj instead of Obi, I feel like that can be Obi. Taj late, I understand for the reason I said earlier where he's just a smarter defender. And in a high stakes moment, I still trust Taj, believe it or not, especially against like Carl Towns or the Nikola Jokic or even Embiid. I mean, Embiid probably still slaughter, but you get the point. Where I, I wouldn't trust that with Obi. Like even if Obi's out there for like ten minutes, that can be detrimental depending on the situation. But first quarter, you're rarely in that situation, which is why I don't know. I feel like he could definitely experiment a little more, and I think that would open up the floor a lot more because. Obi kind of right now, he's still – he's starting to get his legs underneath him. And I'm not worried about him per se. But there are a lot of moments where he's just like out there without a plan. Like he's either meandering by the perimeter or he's begging somebody to throw him a lob. And maybe one day people will find him. But I feel like there's still untapped use of Toppin right now that we're not getting from him. Well, that, that's for certain. Um, I wish that they would be doing more with him in a number of ways. I think that he can do more, especially offensively. I think you could even use him as the four next to Julius's five in a offensive death lineup and try to get nuts. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think he just needs to play. I, I don't know. He's not the kind of rookie and I this was the problem with that pick this is the what we talked about in the uh, offseason after they picked them I like the pick if they weren't going to do this like I don't like when you take a top 10 pick and then you you tout him as NBA ready that that's supposed to be the billing with him at least offensively and then you don't play him as much like to me that's not really cool like you know, these are supposed to be kind of plug and play guys. Like maybe yeah, if you're going to groom him a little bit or whatever, um, it, I don't want to get too annoyed in his first 30 games of his career, but it's like, you know, yeah, I don't know. I would hope that he's going to play a little bit more than like 10 to 12 minutes a game most nights. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I don't know why he won't try Obi at the five, even a little bit. I understand that Obi's weak. I get it. His but again, like, horrific. that's like, ugh. like, that he, he's got a lot of work to do there. And maybe if that's why he's not playing as much, I understand to a degree, but I still think he's got to play just a little bit more, you know, really try to see what he has on offense. You know, I think even if it's for a, a short spurt, you got to just see, you got to experiment briefly even. So hopefully soon the, to me, this would be the time. And I, I know we've been talking about it, writing about it, um, but this would be the time, you know, so hopefully he gets around to it, but you know, won't hold our breath. Yeah, because they really need to score. I do think if they end up falling out of the playoff fund, it's because they can't score points. And well, definitely, definitely. Some of it's personnel, but some of it's like willingness. Like I mentioned, it's like beating a dead horse now, but he leaves the starters in way too long in the third quarter. And I feel like every time around five minutes left in the third quarter, the Knicks are trailing or blowing a lead just because they're not scoring. It's not even anything they're doing. Too bad. It's even beyond Peyton. It's Bullock. He's, I don't know. It's just, they just don't have enough scoring punch. I feel like at best they're scoring. I feel like 110 is a really good night in New York. I feel yeah. like most of the time we're getting like one, 100, one, barely over 100. 
now, I just I feel like that would be the undoing. But uh, let's take a quick break, and then uh, let's get into some Bradley Beal talk. And we're back. So before we're going to talk some Bradley Beal in a little bit, but I'd be remiss if I did not mention the 10-year anniversary of what I believe is the greatest Knicks trade of my lifetime. I wasn't alive for Old Monroe, but Carmelo Anthony to New York Knicks from Denver. I feel like that trade is not revered as it should be, Kyle, and I'm writing about it this week. And I was already mad about people that felt a certain way about the trade before then. But now that I'm like in the weeds on who turned into what, I can't see any way someone could look at that trade and say, what a stupid decision by the Knicks. I don't understand it. Um, I, I understood at the time that it was too much in the moment. Like it felt like too much in the moment. I understood that it was a bunch of the kids, like and the starters that we had had and people had liked but people are romanticizing what was essentially a below 500 team. Like, and not for nothing, but these guys didn't end up being all that good. Like Gallinari, as much as I love him, was often injured for a lot of years. And, I mean, he's had a good career, a very good career. But, you know, he he's on and off. Wilson Chandler, he's had, a, you know, another good career. But he was mostly like a 15-point-per-game bench score. Nothing wrong with it, but... That's a fine piece to give up in a trade, especially with the benefit of hindsight when we thought he maybe could have been more. But, you know, there's that. Um, Mozgov, you know, had his his couple big years with the Cavs and then basically just rode off into the sunset with the big contract with the Lakers and disappeared. Um, but even then, like, just a regular okay center, like he wasn't that – like he was nothing special. Like he was just a decent, good center at the time for a couple of years, and then that was it. So Raymond Felton immediately became a backup. Like Nuggets, Mavs came back to us. You know what I mean? It's like I I understand feeling like we gave up too much, but like for what these guys basically were or were about to become, ended up being, like it really wasn't that bad. I will always feel that way. Um, so – Yeah, I don't know. I Look, my issue with it is always that I think the Knicks just didn't make the most of after they got Melo. Yep. Like, That's what they, everyone's they, conflating. They, they got the star. You're always supposed to do that. You got the star. You, the star got them other things. You know, Tyson Chandler wanted to come here. You know, we got Tyson Chandler. We ended up having a top defense. He defensive player of the year. Like, that happens because we got Melo, too. Like, when you have good players, it's easier to get other good players. We got J.R. Smith, and while, again, it wasn't the, the tier A kind of guys, you got really good tier kind of B guys at the time, which, again, for us was a, a big improvement. So, you know, the issue for me was after that, they didn't kind of keep that group together and slightly retool. They just kind of did the Bargani trade and threw a wrench into things, and then that kind of nuked everything. So... I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know. I think that's really the context of the situation. Like, yeah, they didn't win as much as they should have, but, you know, uh, it was a weird team after 2012-13. They got them to a good point, and then they didn't take advantage after that. So it it sucks. But I don't know. I didn't think the trade in itself with hindsight was that bad. 
I just thought it was a regular big superstar trade. Like and it and like really nothing ended up haunting them to me. No, and the only possible piece that was Jamal Murray is it was the result of every bad decision they made post trade. Because to me, getting Chauncey Billups in exchange for Raymond Felton at the absolute worst, I know Chauncey was on the downside of his career. Felton wasn't exactly this rising stud. So at at the very least, they canceled each other out. I would argue Billups is an upgrade. Chandler, he ended up playing 422 more games in his career, averaging 11.7 points per game. I'm not going to cry about that. Gallinari, that is the only piece that hurt slash ended up being a good player. He's the only one that played that started for good playoff teams consistently since that trade. And if you're trading Carmelo Anthony for Daniel Gallinari in parts, that's a pretty good deal. And the other first round pick turned into Dario Saric. So, I mean, unless I'm missing something, that's not a gross trade. What is gross is trading for Bagnani instead of Kyle Lowry, wasting an amnesty on Billups 24 hours after you pick up his option. Uh, Where else can I go? What else did they do? I mean, signing Tyson Chandler without another plan and just having three front court guys wasn't the smartest thing. And even despite that, they still had a crazy year and Tyson had two or three really good years in New York. And then you have all the front office turnover, Steve Mills coming in towards the end. So they did everything they could have possibly done wrong to screw that up. And they still ended up having one of the better, I would say a year and change, but I I still think that Linsanity year was really fun. Yeah. So I, I, it's, it's, it's baffling to me. It's really baffling. And Mozgov, like you said, play for the Cavs during that 2015 finals run slowly fizzled out after that. So it's like, it's a lot of people that just, I really don't get it. And it's kind of the thing that pisses me off about it is now the fan base is like, anytime they think of a blockbuster trade, it's like, well, I'm only doing it if I could rip the other guy off. It's like, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. You have to at least pay face value. Yeah. I feel like uh, that's gotten lost. Every, everybody on online always thinks that, uh, only they could think of the the shrewd deal to get the the good player, <laughs> right. and it's not how it works because those deals don't get accepted for a reason. It's just that there's a reason that these guys always go for stuff. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I, I I don't know. I I just think like the conversation around it is is very silly. Oftentimes, like people act like we got like destroyed in that trade, and, and I'll never understand it. Like we mission was accomplished. You got the star. You, you extended the star. You signed the top scorer to be a top scorer. He was a top scorer. You initially built a couple good teams around him, and then you blew it. Like, that's a management problem. Like, and one player isn't going to solve all your problems all the time. It's just how it is in the NBA. Like, the LeBrons are not – there's a reason the LeBrons are the LeBrons because not every team gets them and sometimes ever. So – that's the reality of it. In in, in between, you got to just get very good players that you could try to win with. And they tried. They didn't work out. And it is what it is. But, I mean, the the way I think people talk about that is that era is very, very silly to me sometimes. It wasn't perfect, but, I mean, like, it, it always ignores, like, the frustration. The, it always ignores, like, the Knicks side of it. 
Yeah. Like the number one thing I've heard whenever I point out everything I just pointed out just now. Oh, well, Melo could have just waited instead of being selfish. I'm sorry. They're, they're, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> the league was heading into a lockout. Only yep. an idiot would not want to get the money ahead of time. I don't care who you are. LeBron James is probably the only exception because he is an economy himself. Anyone else with a brain is taking the money right away. Yeah, I mean, that's just the thing for, you know, everybody online always says that it's so easy to just turn down the money and go some go someplace you wanted to go the next season. You know, if that was the case, then players would do that all the time. And they don't because when you get offers like that, it's too much money to turn down. You know, I mean, there's a lot of risk that goes into this stuff. You know, a lot of guys do fear that they could get hurt if they wait. You know, then when it's time to get that extension or whatever, it, it's a good security blanket at the time, especially when you're on a good deal like he was. So it is what it is. Like, I, I don't I don't understand the complaints. You know, it, we, we didn't lose a star. We didn't lose anybody that became better or a bunch of guys that became like super good or very good. I don't know. I'm I'm very fine with how the trade went. I'm just not fine with how the Knicks management uh, managed it. That's all. Yeah, that's that's it's tragic actually how poorly they mismanaged it. But I think that's why people should be a little more open to right now the hot name is Bradley Beal. But even beyond that, whoever comes out in the next couple of years, maybe Towns or you know somebody's eventually going to come up. But right now the focus is Bradley Beal. And the main difference in this pursuit versus any Durant pursuit the year before or Kyrie Irving or any other star player you could connect is World Wide West. We know he's been a power broker in this league for God knows how long. And according to Michael Kay, ESPN Radio, he said a very good source, according to Michael Kay, he says Wes has been in the ear of some of Beal's people and kind of nudging them that this might be the time to push for a trade. So if that were to come to fruition, the asking price is reportedly three first-round picks, two pick swaps, and a young player. Now, I don't know. Maybe you've read a little more into this, Kyle. I don't know what young player is, because young player can be, to me, that could be anything from Obi Toppin to Kevin Knox to Frank Nielakina. I I don't know what. I'm going to assume it's going to be – it would be like R.J. Barrett or Mitchell Robinson – Emmanuel quickly end those picks, but that seems like a deal that the Knicks have to make if it becomes available to them. I, I mean, from what I was reading from the Beal deal, it was like, yeah, like you said, the, the three picks, a, a good young player, and you know, the pick swaps. And I mean, the pick swaps never bother me because I think the draft is a total crapshoot. So I, I don't and the Knicks and Wizards have kind of often picked not too far from each other. So I don't see what the issue could possibly be with those. So I don't really care about that. Um, but the three first round picks is about right. I think that's the, the fair and logical asking price for a player like Bradley Beal, who was locked in for a while on his contract. So makes plenty of sense to me. Uh, I would absolutely do that because we are in the green with draft picks. Everybody acts like, keeps saying stuff like, oh, this is just like the mellow deal. The mellow deal, we had just gotten back even with our draft picks and then people didn't want to trade them. So that was understandable because you just got back to like having a pick every year. You know what I mean? But 
for this one, like we have plenty. Like I'm not worried about that. Like we we can trade three picks and then still have like every pick the next, you know, like annually after this. So I I just don't see what the issue is or, or what the 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 cause for being so scared or crying about this being like the mellow trade. It's not. Even if you see what they're asking for, it's mostly just pick based. It's pick based and then a, a young player. So right off the top, it's nothing like the mellow deal. The mellow deal would have been like Obi, RJ, quickly, Mitch, uh, you know, a first rounder, and then whatever else. You know what I mean? Like that would have been the mellow deal. And even then, all those guys I just listed are going to be better than all the guys that were in the initial mellow deal. So I, I just don't see, I just don't see the logic, guys. I don't. It's not the same. It's not the same deal. No, not at all. And if there was ever an opportune time for the Knicks to swindle someone, it's to offer those picks because if you're another team, I said this when we were talking about the Harden possibility weeks ago or months ago, whatever it was, is there a team that you want to bet on to fuck up more than the Knicks from a draft perspective? Like if there's one team that's like, okay, I'm going to give you my star player. I'm going to take your draft picks in the recent years because I know you're going to blow this. It's the Knicks. And whether they actually do it or not, I'm I'm banking on the Knicks not being idiots and actually building correctly. But I feel like this is like the time if they're going to get someone to just buy in on their inability to build. It's right now. I would put them on uh, probably top one protected, but, you know, unprotected picks for the most part. And the hook for me is young player. I'm a big RJ guy. I think I still do it if they ask for RJ Barrett and those sea of picks. Is there any young player that is off limits to you? I mean, I would pref- I would prefer not be RJ because I think yeah, RJ's I, I think RJ's obviously like like I would probably give up Mitch or I would probably give up Obi. Um, you know, I think quickly at this moment in time is somebody that if the Wizards really liked and it was definitely going to get you Beal like yeah obviously um but I don't know it's it's tough I mean like yeah you probably got to give RJ up if push comes to shove you know what I mean but it's like I I would and I said this on one of the last couple pods I, I would almost rather just try to you know throw another pick in there at that point and just see if they bite and be like look you could just take one of these other guys and and We'll keep RJ. Like, I think RJ would probably be the place I would try to draw the line, but I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I say that now, but I would, I can easily see myself calling myself, my future self, a fucking idiot because there is really no guarantee what RJ Barrett's going to turn into. And we know Beal, he's averaging 32 a game, almost damn near 33 a game. Goes to the playoffs when his team's right. He fits beautifully with Julius Randle, which is pretty interesting that we're now talking about Randle in that way. And the team actually acknowledged it recently that they're building with him in mind. So I feel like those are like little tea leaves to say that Randle's not going anywhere. And if that's the case, I think someone like Beal, I can't think of anyone close to available as Beal is. I mean, if they're trying to go... Like, so if they were to give up RJ or something, you know what I mean? And they were trying to go, they'd be trying to go Nuggets East, right? I mean, you're then trying to build with Julius Randle as your offensive hub. And then to some degree, a upper echelon offensive talent, premier, like uh, perimeter talent. 
And it's like those two working off each other. Mm. And I feel like it's not going to be as, as maybe beautiful as the Jokic Nuggets basketball has become, but I feel like that's sort of the dynamic you're trying to build where it's like those two, and it's going to be like Beal bombing threes off of like Randall passes. You know what I mean? Like if that's what they think that is a good idea, I could understand that. I I'm obviously interested in that. It's just, you know, always about the cost, but I don't know. I, it, I would like to see it, man. I would like to see Bradley Beal in this Knicks uniform. I think it's time. I really don't see – like, I understand the slow rebuild, but I really do believe RJ was is the highest pick we're going to get for some time. I really don't see us winning the lottery. And even if we do hit on a couple of picks, I really think it's going to be marginal in the grand scheme of things. I think now is when you cash in these chips for something real. And Beal's 27. You're going to get at least three years, hopefully even four or five really good years out of Beal where you could actually win something. I don't know if title's a little too ambitious, but, you know, you get someone in the building, kind of like the Mellow Trade, just to – I won't even say a lesser extent, but Beal, Beal's Beal, you know, he scores a lot. You get a seat at the table with people that wouldn't even give you a meeting, like last summer. <laughs> I don't think they got a meeting with anyone. As hard as they try and say they try to cancel it, they didn't get a meeting. Beal is getting a meeting in addition to the culture that they're building. And I think if you could do that, I, I mean, like I said, RJ is, I would try and draw the line there, but I would also feel like an idiot if a couple of years down the line, I'm thinking back like, wow, RJ Barrett, I didn't want to trade RJ Barrett for Bradley Beal. I don't want to be like the Celtics where the, I'm sure Jalen Brown's great and they're happy with family might be an all-star this year. I'm pretty sure they still want, they would rather have Kawhi Leonard for whatever years they had him. They could have got him. So I just don't want that regret to happen. It's possible. It is definitely possible. Uh, look, we'll see. Um, I just think, like, this is the second time that they've put out there's been some sort of a, a Beal push or a Knicks trade push um, sort of in that direction for a star wing type. And uh, the first one was, like, Berman a couple weeks ago, right? And then – Always the feeler. Always the feeler. And then Bondi came in now after the uh, the Michael K show, when Michael K show was trying to report a little bit. So, I mean, we'll see. But, you know, this is – you got to just read the patterns here. It just seems like they're trying to test the waters for the Knicks going for a trade. Um, if we're to believe the rumors from the Michael K show, World Wide West has been in Bradley Beal's ear to nudge him in the right direction, which means that uh, – we will get hit with some tampering violations, I'm sure, which I would gladly see us pay. But um, I, I don't know. It, it would be cool, man. It would be cool. I think it, it's, it's, finally, it's finally time that, like, you know, we, we had the big market thing work out for us after years of fans touting that it was going to help us and it not really doing all that much to help us. So it would be cool to see, you know, these guys really restore – the efforts there for us. So here's the tampering, man. We gotta, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta get, we gotta get somebody in this uniform. I love reading that worldwide. West has been in his ear. Good man. I, who else's ear has he been in? I need to know more. Like, well, how much recruiting are we doing? This needs to be widespread. Julius Randall's got to be doing recruiting nonstop at the All Star game. Like, this is full blown propaganda at this point. Yeah, call all hands on deck, man. At this point. 
just try and land a star and then you can get the other. Before you get your third star, you need at least two. And the Nets were a good example of that. So before you get two, let's get one. And then we'll build from there. Because like you said, even when you said it right at the top when Leon got hired, the Saint, the rebuild's over. So I'd be very shocked if the Knicks don't at least make a full court press for Beal. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason, like, the, the Frank stuff, Frank's been done. Knox is done. Like, the, the, like it, it's not top of the list. It's not even on, on the list anymore for them to get minutes or be a priority. Like, it, I once, once Leon got the job, it was very clear, like, all right, man, we're done with whatever aimless losing we were doing. Like, we're going to be trying to win. So, you know, the Rose trade, I think, was just like a, a brief indicator. I think there are mo- more moves to be made. I just don't know how or when but i just i i feel like at least one more is coming hopefully yeah, it's major no, I, I, shake it up yeah and i another reason i want it to be major is i really don't see a minor move right now and minor i mean like getting a guy that can score that'll push him a little more towards the playoffs i don't see anyone that pops off the screen that's going to move the needle so i feel like it's go big or Get ready to stare at some tankathon screen grabs for a while. But we shall see. We will find out first. We'll find out if Julius Randle is an all-star. And then we'll go from there. If he's an all-star, I think that's going to be like our Groundhog Day where we're going to see if good things are on the way or if this is the beginning of the end. But until next time, uh, Kyle, you got anything to plug, anything going on? No, just uh, keep checking out the Knicksball.com. Uh Good job, everybody, on voting for Julius Randle a lot. Um, I think maybe we've done enough bullying to get media folks to respect him enough to to keep the dream alive for the, the coaches to do it. So uh, good job, good effort. Was proud of us, proud of all the propaganda, proud of everybody getting on board, pushing it, spreading it, bullying, yelling at people. Uh, you know, they felt us out there. They felt this. Hopefully, hopefully the results pay off tomorrow when Julius Randle is an all-star. Uh, that's about all I can say. Yeah, I'm putting I'm putting my faith in basketball mind. So we'll see how we are. But we will find out in the next episode. So until next time, friends.